0: They compared modern intensity steady state cycling to hit sprints on a bike, and they found that the sprinting actually decreased hypertrophy and strength more or had a larger interference effect compared to modern intensity.
1: In this episode, I have the one and only Dr. Eric Helms back on to discuss a study published in 2016 titled Endurance Training Intensity Does Not Mediate Interference to Maximal Lower Body Strength Gain During Short-Term Concurrent Training. And what this study looked at is, of course, concurrent training, which is the inclusion of both cardiovascular and resistance training in the same program. And specifically, what the researchers wanted to look at is how including cardio in a weightlifting program impacts strength and muscle gain. Now, you've probably heard that doing any amount of cardio at any intensity is probably going to or maybe even definitely going to interfere with your strength and muscle gain, but is it really that straightforward? And this study and Eric's interpretation of it and his explanation of not just it, but the other research that has been done on the subject is going to help shed some light on the matter for you. This is where I would normally plug a sponsor to pay the bills but I'm not big on promoting stuff that I don't personally use and believe in, so instead I'm just going to quickly tell you about something of mine. Specifically, my fitness book for women, Thinner, Leaner, Stronger. Now, this book has sold over 150,000 copies in the last several years, and it has helped thousands of women build their best bodies ever, which is why it currently has over 1,200 reviews on Amazon with a four and a half star average. So if you want to know the biggest lies and myths that keep women from ever achieving the lean, sexy, strong, and healthy bodies they truly desire, and if you want to learn the simple science of building the ultimate female body, then you want to read Thinner, Leaner, Stronger today, which you can find on all major online retailers like Audible, Amazon, iTunes, Kobo, and Google Play now speaking of audible i should also mention that you can actually get the audiobook 100 percent free when you sign up for an audible account which i highly recommend that you do if you're not currently listening to audiobooks i myself love them because they let me make the time that i spend doing things like commuting prepping food walking my dog and so forth into more valuable and productive activities so if you want to take audible up on this offer and get my book for free simply go to www.bitly.com www.bitly, slash free TLS book. And that will take you to audible. And then you just have to click the sign up today and save button, create your account and voila, you get to listen to thinner, leaner, stronger for free. Alrighty. That is enough shameless plugging for now. At least let's get to the show. Eric, you have returned. Sorry, Dr. Holmes, PhD, you have returned.
0: You got it right that time. I, I, I was <laughs> about to hang up if you didn't, so.
1: <laughs> you know, I, uh, I'm a soul learner, but I learn.
0: Hey, as long as you're learning, that's all that's that matters. all that matters. Small progresses is, is all progress. Gains
1: are gains, bro. Or something. That's right. Even brain gains. True, true. All right. So now in this round, we are going to be discussing combining Lifting with cardio, which of course many people do for various reasons, some reasons being better than others, and then not just any cardio, but high intensity interval training versus more moderate or lower intensity and which is better for what and why?
0: Great question. So yeah, this is, this is a pretty cool study. We reviewed it again in that first issue of Mass we did. Uh, and I think Greg wrote this one, if I recall correctly. It's been a while now. We're on like our last issue of the year, which is cool. But anyway, this is a study by Fife and colleagues, easier to pronounce than our German volume training study author. But it is titled, Endurance Training Intensity Does Not Mediate Interference to Maximal Lower Body Strength Gain During Short-Term Concurrent Training. And I'll talk about why that title is important. So, back in around, say, a long time ago, we we, we established that at the molecular level uh, and kind of the – without getting too detailed, the adaptations that you make to get better at cardio are fundamentally different to some degree in certain areas than the adaptations you make to strength training. Metabolically, for strength training, you've got to be able to put out a high output of energy and not have any care about, quote-unquote, pacing. You want it right now if you have to do like a snatch, right? Right and those are specific adaptations that are going to happen. However, with endurance training, you're basically at telling your, Hey, I need a constant stream of low energy output. And those do quote unquote interfere. And that's where the term, the interference effect came from. Uh, and then there was a meta-analysis back in 2012, which really kind of painted the picture, the broad brushstrokes of the interference conversation. And we saw from that, that there was an inverse relationship or rather a a linear relationship with the amount of total volume of cardio you do is related to how much interference you experience and that makes sense obviously you go walk your dog or you become an endurance athlete you would expect those two things to have different effects on your resistance training right
1: and that's 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 systemic right it's not like oh but you know running yeah it might just mess with my squats but it won't mess with my overhead press right
0: you know, interestingly enough, that is something that is still getting teased out and the answer might be yes or no depending on the study you're looking
1: at. What are your thoughts on, I know it's kind of tangential, but I'm just curious, what are your thoughts on based on what you've seen and what you know?
0: Well, I think it's both and and that's because when if you really want to drill down to the concurrent training hypotheses, there's both an acute and a chronic hypothesis. There's one that that says, hey, this is a molecular level issue and therefore, it's not going to be specific Uh, and if you're doing endurance training, which is largely, you know, whole body or at least it's going to have adaptations that affect a lot of your body, it's going to affect a lot of your lifts and vice versa. And then there is the kind of the acute hypothesis, which is really simple that's saying, hey, if you are tired from cardio, you're going to be poor at lifting weights And they're both true. You know, if you think about it, if, if you go to the gym and bust out a hard cardio session and try to do squats, it's not going to go well. And therefore the adaptations you get afterwards are not going to be ideal, but there's also some things happening at the level that we can't really see that are at that molecular level where there are
1: competing adaptations. So, and that could be relevant if, even if you have your workouts separated, right? So even if you did your cardio on one day and did your lifting on the next day.
0: Well, yeah, I'd say if we, if we want to jump to the, the punch here, so, there is a a number of ways to kind of mitigate interference globally. The worst thing you can do is right before you lift, do cardio. Kind of when stepping down the hierarchy of the next best thing you could do would be to do weights and then cardio. Then at least you're, you're avoiding that acute fatigue going into your resistance training. And that seems to be better than the latter. But even better than that would be to do them at least six hours apart or on separate days. And we have a fair amount of research now that would suggest that that's kind of like the ideal succession of things to do. And then probably even one step better than that would be to minimize your cardio as much as you possibly can. And that's an option for someone who is like a contest prep bodybuilder or a physique athlete or someone who has to diet for a weight class, or is just dieting, let's say a, you know, a model, someone who's dieting for a photo shoot, you can definitely get effective fat loss without using cardio. Cardio can sometimes just make it a lot easier. So your food doesn't have to totally tank. Um, it might help you kind of you know mobilize fat and just kind of make the process a little bit better. But more or less a deficit to deficit. So when it's purely a fat loss goal, you can certainly minimize the amount of cardio you're doing. And I think that's probably a good idea in most cases, unless you just really enjoy it. And, and that would improve adherence.
1: What are your thoughts on just getting to the goal faster? I mean, that's been, I guess, the main thing that I've recommended to people is like, being in a deficit kind of sucks. And this actually just been kind of my personal approach. But I tend to be, I mean, we mentioned that the last time around, I tend to be one of those more masochistic kind of people that I don't really care how I feel about things. It's just what's most effective. So, if I can lose fat faster without sacrificing muscle or feeling like a zombie, then I'm going to do it. And so, including cardio, if that means I can take my cut, if I can make it 25% faster and then get back to um, feeling good in my workouts and making progress, then I'm going to do it. You know what I
0: mean? Well, yeah, I think that's, that's totally valid. And the real question is if you can, you know, I think... And that, that all depends on the dosage, right? So if you're doing two to three cardio sessions a week uh, and they're not going over 30, 45 minutes and they're not on the same day or they're separated from your training, it's probably going to cause a negligible amount of an issue.
1: that's always how I've done it. More like 25, 30 minutes, a couple of two, three times a week. And I personally have always preferred high intensity. I do, I would do it on like an upright bike. That's just what I've, what I've always liked.
0: Yeah, so I think it all depends on how you're gonna how you're gonna distribute it and how much you want to do. If someone is going with that same philosophy but starts banging out post resistance training cardio every day and morning sessions and is doing two a days, then I would think there would actually be a significant loss of muscle mass in that process, and that might not be worth it. Yeah. You know, I've never, it, I've never done. It that. also depends that, on your goal. Sounds awful. <laughs> no, yeah, but but it's not uncommon, and it depends on your goal too. Like uh, if you were a bodybuilder. At the end of your diet or or near the end of your diet, you're going to be getting on stage multiple times, either once, maybe finishing and kind of eating up into your show. But you can't really put fat back on and do well, you know. So if you are kind of eating up into your show, it has to be very conservative. You know, you're dropping cardio off in a titrated manner, increasing food in a titrated manner. But let's say you're a strength athlete. Well, shit, man, you might want to diet off five kilos in six weeks and and do a fair amount of cardio and just have shitty training for five weeks, but then you've got a whole 12 week prep period where you're increasing calories, decreasing cardio, and just making sure you don't go over, say, you know, 2% higher than your weight class, knowing that you can still make it with a mild water cut or, you know, a little shift from, you know, high fiber to low fiber foods right towards the end. And that might be a better payoff versus kind of having a slow diet the whole time where your training just kind of always slightly sucks. So it, it does depend on the goal and what makes sense in a practical manner. But there are times when you'd probably want to minimize the amount of cardio you could do. There's other times where, uh, you know, you want to get away with as much as you can without causing a problem like you were talking about. And there's other times where you don't care if you if you – lose a little muscle briefly. uh, If your primary goal is just performance output and muscle is just one component of that, and then maybe you could regain it once you actually finish the diet and then have a solid block of good training. Yeah.
1: like I've spoken with people, what's fairly common is people training for marathons or half marathons and that's really their focus for a bit and they just want to know what can they do in the gym to minimize the muscle loss. I mean, ideally they would like to lose no muscle, but if they have to lose some, they're okay with that. They just want to minimize the damage.
0: Yep. Well, what I've been getting at here is that there's a bunch of different strategies out there to try to see if we can minimize the interference effect. And the the meta analysis I, I was referring to before had a few strategies in there. It suggested, hey, maybe cycling is a good way to go. Uh, the theory being there that you're not doing a whole lot of eccentric actions, which is uh, lengthening under contraction and kind of what we do to break. Very common in most movements, but cycling just kind of a constant push forward. So you're removing some of the the, the muscle damaging eccentric action. Uh, in addition, there's no impact for cycling. So some of the joint stress won't be there. There's evidence showing that cycling and you'd think other similar movements like an elliptical or maybe a row or things with no impact and little to no eccentric would also have a lesser effect of interference timing like we already talked about. Those are the main strategies that have been looked at to minimize the interference effect. And then also the one that is in this present study we're going to discuss by FIFE is the intensity of the cardio itself. So there is the thought, the prevailing thought and the hypothesis that came out from that meta-analysis and other studies that the issue is the difference in intensity between the cardio you're doing and the resistance training and that if you were to do short bursts say a 30 second or 45 second sprint followed by a recovery period because that's essentially the same metabolic work to rest ratio and intensity of resistance training therefore you would not have that molecular inter- interference and that is probably true however there is a issue with with doing that in that if you are going to do hit, true hit where, uh, you know, for that, that say 30 or 45 seconds, you can't hold a conversation. You can't do anything except breathe as hard as you can to actually complete it. We're talking all out hundred percent sprint on a bike and elliptical a rower on flat ground, whatever. That is something that's going to have a increased recovery cost. You know, higher intensity means higher recovery. And I think we got on kind of this, uh, we put hit on too much of a pedestal in the 2000s. Uh, where we just focus on that one aspect that it is shares all those metabolic traits with the resistance training. And it was more time efficient for burning calories. So therefore, it was the holy grail. Oh, and hey, cherry on top. There's a little bit of an afterburn effect where you burn calories throughout the rest of the day. Never mind that that's only going to be like 10, 20, 30, 40 calories. Uh, it's still something. Therefore, hit is the solution. While all of those aspects are true, there is an afterburn effect. There shouldn't be a molecular interference and it is more time efficient. I think everyone just really forgotten about the recovery cost of HIT, and this is probably the first study that really kind of highlights that. Uh, and in, in fact, in this study, they essentially found that sprint intervals on a bike, even cycling, were problematic compared to moderate intensity steady state. So they compared moderate intensity steady state cycling to HIT sprints on a, cy- on a bike, and they found that the sprinting actually decreased hypertrophy and strength more or had a larger interference effect, I should say, compared to moderate intensity. And this most likely comes down to not the molecular differences, but actually just the fatigue caused by it and actually preventing you from training effectively and from recovering so that you can get in the gym and do the work that's really going to help you gain strength and you retain muscle or gain muscle. Little thing I always say when people are telling me that they want to do sprints on the ground for their cardio for contest prep because they've seen someone else do it or they think it looks hardcore. Or it sounds fun as I go, well, look, you know, you can make this argument that hits going to help you, you know, retain more muscle, but it's really hard to make that argument when you're on crutches because I've seen so many bodybuilders strain their hamstring or, or fully tear it uh, because they're trying to be sprinters. And even sprinters don't sprint max speed four to five times a week. I have a fully periodized program and they carefully integrate it with resistance training. So this trend of a bodybuilder is just getting out there and just hammering sprints uh, without training specifically to be that kind of an athlete uh, has led to a lot of hamstring strains and uh, this is some and
1: it just wrecks your legs i mean i i've done it and i when i w- when i was younger i was like yeah I'll, I'll try that for cardio yeah that lasts about a week and i was like yeah, if I, I think if i do this i'll probably like never squat again so i'm gonna stop doing this
0: <laughs> yeah exactly so essentially there was you know less strength gain, less muscle mass gain, and more signs of a, uh, an interference effect really in the HIIT group. So, it really kind of puts that, that nail in the coffin in, in my opinion of going, hey, we can't just lose context and just look at the molecular differences. You have to think about uh, exercises having a recovery cost and how that's going to affect everything else. And sure, overall, you just want to limit your cardio But if you have to do cardio or you want to do cardio, let's say you're doing CrossFit or something like that, you're thinking about where to position it relative to your resistance training and how to sequence your training uh, becomes a little more complicated. And and you do have to consider it versus just kind of applying this carte blanche. I'm going to just go hard and go short and that'll be just better because it's more like my lifting. Well, it's like, well, you wouldn't just double your lifting to lose fat, would you? Like if you had four hard days of training and you needed a diet, you wouldn't just go to four two a days of lifting weights and double your volume you, you know that would be bad but in many cases you're trying to do something similar by adding a ton of hit
1: interesting and have your personal experiences working with people agreed with that because the reason why I ask is over the years you know again I, I, I myself have done I, what I would say is probably qualifies as hit I mean the the high intensity intervals were hard in terms of length they were never longer than 60 seconds probably more like 30 or 45 seconds you know I've recommended it f- again for people that want to lose fat as quickly as possible now to be fair if we're looking at it in the context of what weightlifting they were doing the basic programs that I have out there for men and women are not tremendously difficult they're essentially push-pull legs programs with some accessory work and none of your workouts are more than 45 or 60 minutes so we're looking at, you know, two kind of harder workouts per week and then anywhere from, you know, one to three, not so hard workouts per week. And I, myself in doing that and doing hit when I was cutting, I I don't know. I never, I never had any signs of falling behind in recovery. Now to be fair, yeah, my lifts stagnated and I just kind of, whatever, took that in stride. And in just working with a lot of people nobody comes to and no individual case comes to mind where it was like okay this is clearly too much uh, you should just be walking instead now of course you could make it too much but what are what are your thoughts on that
0: well, it sounds like you're already in the realm of reasonable when you start out with what you're doing with your clients. So, you're not starting off with, I'm going to crush these people and then I have to walk it back. I oversold the the differences in the kind of my my just inflection of my voice and how I presented the results. Like in this study, if you were to truly kind of look at the statistics and, and kind of go hard line, like what was the main outcome? The main outcome was that, man, it didn't seem like there was a big difference between hit and modern intensity steady state. There was a slight difference in favoring the modern intensity steady state for hypertrophy uh, and maybe the interference effect a little bit. But overall, it looked like, hey, hit didn't beat out modern intensity steady state, counter to what we've the dogma we've believed. And that's probably the, the safest bet to make from this study. So let me just kind of walk back the the extremity with which I presented these findings. So I think basically people should feel a little more safe doing steady state cardio and knowing that probably on a, uh, if you like look at time match or, or number of sessions per week, it's probably not going to be that much worse or that much better to do hit or, or miss or vice versa.
1: And I guess then the context of why you're doing it matters too. I mean, you mentioned that, but are you doing it? Cause again, I really only do, I mean, that's not true. Actually these days I do, I do, um, yeah, I'd say moderate intensity biking just cause I like to do cardio, but I would do hit when I'm cutting and otherwise I wish wouldn't be doing it. But for those people out there that are doing cardio for longer periods of time for whatever reason, that's also a different circumstance than someone who's like, look, I want to lose a lot of fat over the next 10 to 12 weeks and I want to feel good. If that means sacrificing some potential progress in my weightlifting, then I'm fine with that. That's just a different context.
0: Yeah. If the trade-off is worth the speed, that's totally fine. And I I think that that's exactly what you have to do is kind of look at, all right, what are my goals? And then how soon do I want them? Is that reasonable in the first place? And then what level of of sacrifice do I not care about? You know, you look at the study and you go, right. So, the hit group didn't gain as much lean body mass uh, and it was a small amount. But maybe if I do, if I add hit to my training and moderate intensity steady state, sure, maybe I won't gain or, or, or retain quite as much muscle mass. But if I get leaner faster and I can maintain that and then go into a bulking phase, maybe that will be, it won't even matter six months from now. And I think that's a fair perspective. But Really, people just need to be informed going into what they're doing. If you are starting a diet and you come into it and you're thinking that you have to do HIIT because that's going to be better for uh, maintenance of strength and hypertrophy, you know, this study tells you that strength will be roughly the same. and In terms of hypertrophy, it might actually be slightly worse than doing less fatiguing cardio. And if you're afraid of MISS because you've heard of the interference effect and you think, well, wow, that's the intensity zone that's going to interfere the most with your training, Well, it depends on the dosage and it may cause actually slightly more problems to really beat yourself up. So think about the modality of training you're doing. Uh, you know, if you're doing, you know, cycling or elliptical and you're keeping it to say one to three sessions per week and the hit sessions are brief and you're, you know, auto-regulating it or you're mixing the two, you're probably going to be fine. You know, and in my personal practice, I'm typically not having people do more than, you know, one, two, three cardio sessions per week and certainly not more than one or two, maybe three hit sessions. Uh, and I am trying to make sure that it's low impact, low eccentric action, and that it's separated from resistance training if possible and if I have to after. And I think from what I've seen is that the benefits are worth the trade-offs in those cases. If you can moderate it and if you want to have effective fat loss or faster fat loss or, uh, if you just need that extra edge to really get quite lean, if that's your goal in a reasonable time frame, and you want to have a decent amount of calories to play with to eat, then yeah, there's all reasonable applications of cardio. And I think the big take home from this study is just that hit is not the holy grail. And if taken too far, it might be slightly worse than, than a lower intensity.
1: Absolutely. And where would you like to see this research go from here? What's the next question that you would like to see answered?
0: Yeah, I would like to see uh, like some practical comparisons of of different types of configurations combining them because I think what you rarely see, research always pits one thing versus another. You know, it goes, is hit better than than miss or vice versa, you know, or is heavy load training better than light load training? But rarely do we have studies of, hey, is a combined um, heavy and light load training program set up in an intelligent way compared to something that's just high reps or just low reps better or is all hit or all low intensity steady state better. But what if we combine them? So I I would love to see someone have a mix of different cardio intensities uh, and see if that was a bit better, you know, and try to figure out, okay, based on prior research and, and what we think makes sense logically, what's the most hit we would give somebody? Okay, maybe one to two sessions and we'll do the rest from miss, compare that to an all miss group or an all hit group and see if perhaps that one in the middle can maybe lose fat faster without actually losing any more muscle mass and maybe better than, the, than, than both. I think that's, that's possible. So, I'd love to see a study set up in that manner.
1: Maybe you'll be the one doing it. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. <laughs> okay, great, Eric. Well, this was, I'm sorry, Dr. Holmes PhD. This was very <laughs> enlightening. I'm excited to do the next one when uh, when the time comes.
0: Sounds good. I look forward to it.
1: Hey there, it is Mike again. I hope you enjoyed this episode and found it interesting and helpful. And if you did and don't mind doing me a favor and wanna help me make this the most popular health and fitness podcast on the internet, then please leave a quick review of it on iTunes or wherever you're listening from. This not only convinces people that they should check the show out, it also increases its search visibility and thus helps more people find their way to me and learn how to build their best bodies ever too. And of course, if you want to be notified when the next episode goes live, then just subscribe to the podcast and you won't miss out on any of the new goodies. Lastly, if you didn't like something about the show, then definitely shoot me an email at Mike at MuscleForLife.com and share your thoughts on how you think it could be better. I read everything myself and I'm always looking for constructive feedback, so please do reach out. All right, that's it. Thanks again for listening to this episode and I hope to hear from you soon. And lastly, this episode is brought to you by me. Seriously though, I'm not big on promoting stuff that I don't personally use and believe in, so instead, I'm going to just quickly tell you about something of mine. Specifically, my fitness book for women, Thinner, Leaner, Stronger. Now, this book has sold over 150,000 copies in the last several years, and it has helped thousands of women build their best bodies ever, which is why it currently has over 1,200 reviews on Amazon with a four and a half star average. So if you wanna know the biggest lies and myths that keep women from ever achieving the lean, sexy, strong, and healthy bodies they truly desire, And if you want to learn the simple science of building the ultimate female body, then you want to read thinner, leaner, stronger today, which you can find on all major online retailers like Audible, Amazon, iTunes, Kobo and Google Play. Now, speaking of Audible, I should also mention that you can actually get the audiobook 100% free when you sign up for an Audible account, which I highly recommend that you do if you're not currently listening to audiobooks. I, myself, love them because they let me make the time that I spend doing things like commuting, prepping food, walking my dog, and so forth into more valuable and productive activities. So, if you want to take Audible up on this offer and get my book for free, simply go to www.bitly.com slash free TLS book. And that will take you to audible. And then you just have to click the sign up today and save button, create your account and voila, you get to listen to thinner, leaner, stronger for free.